Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments. And get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. Hi, and welcome back to Health Talks Now, a podcast brought to you by Baptist Health, where I ask the experts the questions that matter most. Today, we have an important and timely conversation with Amy Fabian, Clinical Pharmacy Specialist in Infectious Diseases at Baptist Health Louisville. The language surrounding additional COVID-19 vaccine doses is important. And while a booster dose and a third dose sound similar and are sometimes being used interchangeably, they actually refer to two very different things. That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into the interview, I want to clarify Our hospitals that are currently offering vaccination clinics are Baptist Health Louisville and Baptist Health Corbin. These two hospitals are administering the initial two-shot series to unvaccinated or partially vaccinated individuals, a third shot to people with weakened immune systems who meet the criteria, and a Pfizer COVID-19 booster to those who meet eligibility requirements. This information is current as of time of publication, but as we know, recommendations are evolving rapidly as more data becomes available. I would encourage you to check in on our website at baptisthealth.com slash COVID-19 for the latest news and updates. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Amy Fabian. Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm really glad to have you here to answer some questions and to weigh in on the announcement that was recently made about potential third doses of the COVID-19 vaccine and to just kind of help us understand the breakdown of what that means and what that entails for individuals. So thank you again for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here and be able to talk through some of these nuances and, you know, answer some questions that might be of interest, folks. Yeah. So I think probably the best jumping off point is to start by really breaking down the terminology. You know, we're seeing a lot of people using the words third dose and the word booster. And really, when you get down to it, we're talking about two different things. So can you tell us what the difference is between third doses of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines for immunocompromised people versus a booster dose for immunocompetent people or whose immune systems are functioning properly? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's an important distinction to make. So the third dose for those who are immunocompromised, this is a dose that's meant to be provided in patients who we know or we think that their initial immune response from the first two doses or the initial series was felt to be inadequate. Um, So there's some studies out there suggesting that patients with certain conditions, um, specifically immunocompromising conditions or medications, may not mount a proper immune response from just two doses of a vaccine. So that's what that third dose is. Whereas on the other hand, a booster dose, that terminology is really meant to refer to vaccine doses that are given because 
patients who did mount the expected immune response from their initial two-dose series, that immunity wanes over time. So the numbers that are being kind of thrown out right now are six months or eight months. And so those folks who did get an adequate response, their vaccine immunity titers or antibody levels have waned over time. Okay. And so we're boosting them to kind of provide additional protection. Right. Yeah, I think that's just such an important distinction to make because I know as we're reading, a lot of times that verbiage is used interchangeably and it can get confusing as to what exactly someone means when they say a third dose. So I think that was a really helpful distinction to make. So what can make someone considered immunocompromised? Who is that referring to and who should be receiving that third dose? Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. So the CDC does provide some guidance on who might qualify, but I would, um, I do want to put out that I would encourage anyone with questions on whether or not they qualify to really reach out to their healthcare providers or pharmacists if they have questions about certain medications. But I'll try to kind of provide an overview of, you know, the most common disease states for immunocompromised folks that should be seeking a third vaccine. So some of those conditions are those who are receiving active cancer treatment for tumors or cancers of the blood. Okay. Anyone who's received an organ transplant and are taking medications to suppress their immune system following that transplant. Those who have received a stem cell transplant in the past two years and are taking medications to prevent rejection or suppress the immune system. There are certain conditions that are called primary immunodeficiencies that are considered eligible for the third dose. Anyone with untreated or advanced HIV. So those are folks who are not taking chronic treatment for their HIV infection and maybe have an infection that's untreated. And those who are on active treatment with high-dose corticosteroids, or there are a number of other drugs that might suppress your immune response. And so some of being on those medications may also make you eligible for a third dose. And again, the best thing to do if you're a, a patient or someone who's out there wondering if you know you are eligible, I would definitely encourage you to talk to your physicians Talk to your pharmacist if you have a question if a medication is considered immunocompromising. What about pregnancy? I know that your immune system changes during pregnancy. Is that considered to be someone who would be immunocompromised? Pregnancy is not considered in the conditions of immunocompromising conditions for those who would be eligible for a third dose right now. Okay. But you do make a good point in that while you're pregnant, your immune system has different reactions and responses. And the vaccine actually was studied specifically in pregnant individuals to ensure that those individuals did actually have the expected response from initial vaccination. So that has been looked at. So it is felt that those pregnant individuals, you know, as long as they don't have any of those other conditions listed, are probably mounting an adequate immune response from initial vaccine series. Okay. So let's talk now about the booster side of things. So not people who need the third dose to fully complete their first series, but those people who were fully vaccinated with either the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine and now have been a few months out and maybe their immunity is waning. How does a booster support increased immunity? How does it work? You know, this isn't a new concept. A lot of the immunizations that we already have on the market do require booster doses, especially those given in childhood. But talk us through a little bit of the science behind multi-dose vaccines. Sure. As you pointed out, the 
booster doses are really not a new thing. Just to provide example of some common vaccines maybe that we boost regularly, for example, the tetanus vaccine, mm-hmm. um, which pre- or the DTaP, you know, we get an initial series usually in childhood that's four shots, part of the infant immunization that helps to build immunity. But we give a booster of that vaccine at age four through six, and again at age 11 and 12. And then even thereafter, as adults, they recommend getting just tetanus boosters every 10 years. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we're seeing in other vaccines. But basically, as I mentioned before, for certain vaccines, the immunity does wear off. And so the booster dose is kind of like a reminder to your immune system um, to kind of recreate those antibodies, you know, expose your body to whatever is needed to kind of create that immune response and recreate some of those antibodies and increase levels. And, and we see this even in vaccines that don't recommend regular boosters sometimes for certain healthcare providers or patients in high-risk settings, they'll actually test antibody titer levels okay. um, to determine if boosters are needed in specific individuals. So it's not an uncommon thing to that vaccines require boosters. I think because of what's been going on with the pandemic, we're kind of studying these vaccines in real time. So when we first created them, it really wasn't known exactly how long the immunity would last. And so we're sort of starting to learn these things now that the vaccines have been out for a year. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess as you're talking, I'm thinking that each of those vaccines that currently are on the market that do require boosters, they don't all happen on the same timeline. For instance, you know, you may need a tetanus shot at a different frequency or at a different interval than you may need an annual flu shot. So I think some of the pause or some of the hesitation or speculation that's been going on is how soon we're already looking at boosters. And I think that really helps to put it in a larger perspective of medicine and the vaccines that are already out there that we're already, you know, have more data and have more research on to say that each one of them is different. And so it's not necessarily alarming (laughs) that we're already looking at boosters in this case. Sure. And even different vaccines, like the two different mRNA vaccines, for example, Pfizer and Moderna, different dosages, Mm -hmm. um, and they may mount different immune responses. So, and I think you kind of brought a really interesting point, which is that, you know, we're doing a lot of studying and research on these vaccines in real time. And it's just been a true test to the scientific community to kind of be able to respond to the updates and the research so quickly. And things are changing because we're getting more information and more data and more research. Absolutely. So going forward, if you have had the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine, we know that that's a two-dose series. But what about those folks who are immunocompromised, are they still considered fully vaccinated after two doses like has been the case thus far? Or if you're immunocompromised, is that threshold now changing to three doses being considered fully vaccinated? Or do we know yet? I would would say from a clinical perspective and medical side of things, I would consider, so there have been studies to show that those with certain immunocompromising conditions really don't have the same response, you know, that initial response. Okay. So I think from that perspective, the three-dose series would make them consider more complete vaccination. Now, what I can't comment on is from kind of like the regulatory side of things, nor do I think that there would be a way to regulate this when it comes to like travel services, you know, certain like 
companies who have certain requirements for vaccines, for example, or again, I think the biggest thing where it may come into play is travel. I feel like in most of those situations, they would consider two doses to be complete. Okay. But truly, if if you are immunocompromised, that third dose is really what's going to get you to similar, hopefully similar levels of antibodies as the general population would have following two two doses. That makes sense. sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. What about the variants that we're seeing, like the Delta variant, Delta Plus mutation? Do these booster vaccines add protection to the variants? Is the vaccine still effective against the variants? What do we need to know about that? Great question. So there have been a few studies coming out that have looked at the mRNA vaccine's efficacy against the variants. And we do know that the efficacy against the Delta variant is a little bit lower. Again, that's just general overall vaccine efficacy Mm -hmm. against symptomatic disease. With vaccines, we don't expect them to be 100% effective. Right. And what we're really looking to get out of our vaccines is preventing people from getting in the hospital. Right. So I will say that the vaccine is still doing a good job of, you know, preventing deaths and hospitalizations, even with this new, more kind of more infectious variant and possibly a variant that's causing more severe disease. That being said, the question that you raised about, you know, the vaccines against specific variants, it's being studied. Okay. So the booster doses that are in talks right now are likely going to be the same version of the vaccine that we have now, just an additional dose. Okay. I do know that Pfizer and Moderna are researching vaccines that will specifically target the Delta variant. So those are in clinical trials ongoing right now, but I would be surprised if that data comes out in time for what at least the government has kind of outlined as their timeline for possibly being able to provide booster doses. Right. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that extra background. I think that helps explain a lot. And you made a great point about what is being referred to as the breakthrough cases where vaccinated people may still contract the disease, but may have, you know, a much less severe case may avoid hospitalization or death, which is really the goal. But I think it's great to point that out because a lot of times that's being seen as it not working. You know, the fact that people are still contracting COVID-19 after vaccination, which again, is at a much, much lower rate even than those who are unvaccinated. But those breakthrough cases are happening, but their outcomes are much better. With that being said, does getting a booster dose decrease the possibility of a vaccinated person transmitting COVID-19? So that's an interesting question. So in a way that getting a vaccine reduces your risk of actually con- getting an infection, this is you know symptomatic and asymptomatic right. um, infections. So in that sense, yes, it does reduce the likelihood that you'll transmit to someone. Okay. However, if you are one of those folks who has a breakthrough infection, you still are able to transmit infections. And so should follow the CDC guidelines for quarantining and isolating, Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes great sense. What are we seeing with the third dose as far as side effects or an immune response? Are we seeing kind of the same thing as folks saw with their first or second doses? Is it worse? I know a lot of people experienced milder side effects on their first dose than they did the second dose, but what are we seeing with folks who are now starting to get a third dose? 
Sure. I think the side effects that we're seeing and kind of what we expect to see with the third dose are going to be similar to those, you know, who have had their first and second doses. The side effects that I'm referring to are those really um, expected body responses to show that you're creating an immune response, that your body is like preparing to fight an infection. So things like aching, fatigue, tiredness, Mm -hmm. um, maybe low-grade fevers, chills, for, you know, in the 24 to 48 hours following vaccination, those are the side effects or symptoms that I'm really referring to here. Right. A lot of the individuals who were vaccinating folks because they didn't mount great immune responses from the first two doses because they're immunocompromised. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so a lot of those folks probably didn't, were less likely, I would say, to have experienced more severe of those systemic hmm. side effects because their, you know, their immune system isn't responding the same way, like, folks who right. don't have immunocompromising conditions would respond. So from that perspective, you know, since we're really only vaccinating those right now, I'm I'm not hearing anecdotally large complaints. Okay. <laughs> um, again, because it's kind of a new thing, we right. don't really have a lot of data out there with numbers of those experiencing those side effects yet, but you know, they may be more likely to experience some of those if they did not because they're mounting a hopefully a better immune response than they did with the first and second doses in anticipation of those who, you know, for if and when the FDA approves these vaccines to be given to the general population, Mm -hmm. you know, I would expect to see similar side effects that you experience with doses one and two. Okay. You know, your immunity is waning a little bit now, so it's hard to guess if, you know, you're going to be more likely to experience those I'm sure it will be individual, depending possibly on when you received your vaccine, what kind of symptoms or side effects you had with the first two doses. But yes, I would expect to see some of the similar responses that we saw with the first two doses. Sure. That makes good sense. We'll be right back. Save time and start COVID-19 testing online. If you're experiencing COVID-19 symptoms or have been exposed to COVID-19, Baptist Health is able to see you virtually, diagnose, and order a COVID-19 test to the urgent care closest to you. Learn more and get started today at baptisthealth.com slash COVID-19. And we're back with Amy Fabian. Like we've mentioned, the kind of timeline being thrown around right now for the booster doses. So for those people who, again, are immunocompetent, meaning that their body produced the appropriate immune response in the first two doses and are now following up for an additional dose to kind of recharge their immunity, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you were still waiting for approval and for some more information about when that's going to be available to the general public. But do you foresee this being, you know, consistently set at a six or eight month timeline for boosters? Should we expect or could we expect to see this move to an annual vaccine similar to a flu shot? What are you kind of hearing right now? I think it's probably a little too early to be able to speculate um, very well on those things. Again, we've been, you know, responding to data as it comes out. And so it's tough to predict where we're going to be in a year or two years even. Sure. Honestly, I can't predict what what's going to happen next week. Right. So <laughs> that's how much things have been changing with the pandemic. Yeah. 
And so to say at this time, yes, it's for sure going to be annual or every eight months. You know, they're doing studies right now that are going to measure the antibody levels post the third doses. So there's kind of research being taken place right now. Um, and it may be that those levels are higher than even experienced after the two-dose series. So mm-hmm. it's possible that with this third booster, you know, the immunity lasts longer than it did with the uh, first two shots. That makes sense. Um that's something we see with some of our other vaccines. And so I think it's really hard to guess at this point. It will depend on how many individuals get vaccinated, what right. we see with the variants, you know, as far as if we need to target different variants on a year-to-year basis. What I can say is I know it's being studied and right. hopefully the recommendations from the CDC um, will continue to adapt based on the research that we have. Sure. I understand, you know, folks frustration or confusion with things constantly being kind of a moving target. But I think the good news there is that there is so much data coming out of each new development. And we're learning so much as time passes through this pandemic that is going to not only help us in this current health crisis, but in future situations going forward, just the knowledge that we're learning about immunity and different vaccine technology. And so I understand it can be a little frustrating to kind of, you know, what's the news today? What's the recommendation today is it is changing a lot, but I think that just goes to show how many people are working so hard at this and just putting a lot of research and scientific process behind the recommendations that are being made, that they are not at all arbitrary, and that we really have a lot of data to back up the recommendations that do come out. Absolutely. So again, just for clarity's sake, everything we've been talking about so far applies to the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. What about people who have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? That's a really great question. One that I would like answered (laughs) by our powers up above at the CDC. So what we know of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, it was maybe a little lower efficacy initially when it came out. We thought it was a great vaccine because of the one dose that it could be kind of provided to those, you know, maybe more vulnerable patient populations who are less likely to be available for follow-up and things like that. So there are no recommendations just yet from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Okay. We are, we do know, I believe that the Johnson and Johnson has submit, submit some data to the FDA to be evaluated. And it sounds like they may be studying a six month booster from what I have heard. Okay. Um, But the FDA and CDC has not provided any recommendations yet. So one dose of the Johnson & Johnson is considered fully vaccinated, and there are no recommendations at this time that they should receive like a dose of mRNA vaccine, for example, right. as a booster. There's no official recommendations yet. And I will say that most folks who are kind of vaccinating, you know, they do have to be following recommendations from the FDA and try to be doing their best to follow the EUA because the vaccine is different from other medications that are FDA approved and can be maybe prescribed off-label. Most folks who are administering the vaccines are under some sort of contract with the government to receive product. And so for a lot of those reasons are kind of why we have to try and make sure we're doing our best to follow those guidance 
um, that the FDA and CDC are providing. So at this point in time, there's no recommendations for booster of the J&J or to be providing mRNA boosters to that. But we are very much hopeful that that we will be getting some guidance on that here soon. And that makes sense. You know, Johnson & Johnson was later to market than Pfizer and Moderna. So we do have a lesser body of research to date, less time that we've had to see the course of this immunity from that specific vaccine. So it makes sense that that is to come. That said, is it important to match your third shot or your booster dose, if you know whichever one you qualify for, to the original vaccine, either Pfizer or Moderna that you received, or can you mix and match? So the current recommendation now is that you should go ahead and get whatever you received first. Okay. So if you received your first two doses with Pfizer, you should get your booster with Pfizer. Same for Moderna. There is a little bit of flexibility. So if you happen to be in an an area or a situation where one of those two is unavailable, there is some allowance for you to get the additional booster with like mixing and matching, but that's really meant to be only in situations, maybe you're in a rural area, the pharmacy only stocks, you know, Pfizer. So those kinds of situations, but for the most part, really, you should be seeking the third dose with whatever your original series was with. Makes sense. One thing I wanted to ask you about was there's a lot of conversation online and on social media about natural immunity from COVID-19 and which is more effective, the natural immunity from infection or immunity from vaccination. And now we're seeing reports coming out saying, obviously, if you've been infected, you should still be vaccinated. But seeing reports that that natural immunity plus the vaccine immunity is thought to be even greater than the vaccine alone. So what can you tell us about the natural immunity versus vaccine immunity? That's a great question. Um, It's one that I've received a lot of questions on. And there actually is some data out there looking at folks who have previously been infected with covid and kind of the risk of getting a reinfection Mm -hmm. following vaccination or no vaccination. Actually, the CDC publishes like what we call morbidity and mortality reports that are like kind of small research studies. Um, And they actually published some data out of the state of Kentucky about a month ago that looked at this exact question and found that folks who, in folks who were previously infected with COVID, who were vaccinated, they were actually 2.4 times less likely to get a reinfection. Wow. So that data kind of does support that vaccination does provide additional protection to those who should have some, some level of natural immunity sure. because they've been previously infected. So yes, you know, if you have previously had COVID, there's really no data out there to show how long, what levels of antibodies you may have created from that infection and how long that lasts. Um, And there is data to show that you could benefit from vaccination uh, preventing reinfection. And I would say in the time of this Delta variant, which is much, much more transmittable than some of our previous variants are, you know, makes the vaccination all that much more important. Yeah. And going back to what we were talking about earlier with the breakthrough cases, I've seen a lot of conversation, especially as we're, um, working through social media comments and things like that of people saying that they may prefer to become naturally immune via infection. And really it goes back to our conversation earlier about the severity 
of the disease. And even if you do happen to contract a breakthrough case after being vaccinated, your long-term health or your outcomes are definitely going to be better if you are vaccinated versus if you rely on catching COVID-19 to produce that antibody. And to kind of add on to that, there's certainly research and evidence coming out to show that those who get breakthrough infections with and are vaccinated are much, much less likely to have what they refer to as long COVID. Interesting. Um, so those are those folks that have symptoms of that like brain fog, fatigue, headache, tiredness for like months following right. their infection. So there's kind of some data coming out to support that vaccination, even if you do get a breakthrough infection, reduces your risk of having those longer term effects from COVID. That's so fascinating. And we just did an episode on long COVID a couple of episodes back with one of our pulmonary and critical care physicians that you'll definitely want to go back and listen to, to get some background on what that long COVID is, what it looks like. And if you think that you may have it, how to get some help with treating those ongoing symptoms. But that is fascinating to me. I read an article that referred to that type of immunity. If you've been vaccinated and then contract the virus and have both types of immunity working for you. They were calling it bulletproof immunity, which is so interesting that, you know, you're, I I do too. Yeah. That you're just so much more likely to have positive outcomes or that you're, you know, that much more immune. So I wanted to ask you too, the CDC had said a person should not receive more than three MRNA doses. And obviously they're making that that statement or that recommendation based on our current research. And this is all subject to change as we get more information, but I'm just curious what that meant exactly. Is that in a lifetime? Was that just given the current state of data that we have? What if boosters are needed again down the road and I've already had three doses? Does that mean I can't get another booster? What can you weigh in on that? So I can't read the mind of the folks you <laughs> to know exactly what they meant. But, you know, my interpretation of that is really like at a snapshot in time. So at this point, I would say that that statement is subject to change as we get right. more research and things like that. I don't think it was intended to be like, oh, in a lifetime. I think it was really intended to be like, at this point in time, you should not receive more than three doses of mRNA. So if you got Pfizer, you know, back in January or February, you shouldn't be going out and getting two more doses of Moderna right now. I feel like that's probably where that statement came from. And that makes good sense. I think, you know, they're probably trying to head off folks thinking that maybe more is better, you know, and trying to kind of uh, go ahead and proactively address that question or concern that probably makes sense. And again, as we're learning more and more with time and with the more research that we gain, the more clinical trials that are conducted, it's very likely that these recommendations will continue to change. We are recording this now in mid-September, but by the time that this is published and you're listening, we may already have those recommendations on booster shots. So be sure to go ahead and check the show notes of this episode. So we will link to the latest recommendations and guidance at time of publication. Amy, what would you say to people who are seeing this third dose and the booster doses as signifying that the vaccine just isn't working? So they're going to keep recommending more and more vaccine because it didn't work the first time. I would say to those people that, you know, this is an ever-changing situation in the pandemic 
the government, the FDA, the CDC, they're responding to research as it's coming out. And in fact, I would argue to say that these vaccines are the best therapy we have at preventing people from getting hospitalized, from ending up on ventilators and in our ICU. Baptists and other health systems are publishing data on the status of inpatients as far as their vaccine status. Right. And consistently, an overwhelming majority of those patients that we see in the hospital because of COVID are unvaccinated. Even higher majority of those that wind up in the ICU or on ventilators are not vaccinated. So they are doing their job at preventing folks from ending up in the hospital on ventilators in the ICU. And the best thing that you can do at this point in time to protect yourself from those outcomes is really to get vaccinated. So there's a lot of talk on third dose and booster doses, which are all very important, but there's still a lot of folks out there who haven't even gotten their first doses. So, you know, if, if you're on the fence, talk to your healthcare providers and, you know, the best thing that you can do to protect yourself and, you know, your loved ones is really to get vaccinated. Right. Yeah. And I think that is such a a good point. I think there's a lot of polarity, obviously, really surrounding this entire pandemic and every, every aspect of it, but the research is there, the data is there and, and it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to, to be curious or to be hesitant, but the key is to seek out the truth and seek out information that is reliable and verifiable and coming from reputable sources. Well, thank you again, Amy. I I really appreciate your time and it's been really, really helpful. I'm glad I could be of assistance for you. I really enjoyed getting a chat with you as well. Thanks for tuning in today. As Amy mentioned, the best thing you can do to protect yourself and others is to get fully vaccinated for COVID-19. To receive either your initial vaccination series a third shot if you are immunocompromised and meet the medical criteria, or if you meet the eligibility requirements to receive a Pfizer COVID-19 booster, go to scheduleyourvaccine.com to register to make an appointment. Several pharmacies in the community are also offering vaccinations. Check availability at vaccine.ky.gov for Kentucky or ourshot.in.gov for Indiana. Again, recommendations are evolving as more data becomes available, so stay up to date with the latest news and recommendations on our website at baptisthealth.com COVID-19. You can also read more about COVID-19 and other health topics on our blog at share.baptisthealth.com. Thanks for being here. We'll catch you next time on Health Talks Now. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment, and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com.